Aloha, welcome to Mana Bombs podcast powered by Pumahina Designs. It's me, Kanoi Lani Davis. And me, Kulani Jeremiah Wong. Aloha, Kako. Aloha. Today's daily Mana Bomb is a child cannot be their parent's therapist or emotional crutch. Focus. Our children pick up our own emotional energy. Is that good or is that bad? And the way we want to engage is how often do we consciously or subconsciously utilize our children for healing, whether it be giving or taking away? How does this affect our future adults? So this is for all you parents out there who have children, are in that reflection mode, whether you have young children, older children, or even grandchildren. The gamut is wide. Yeah, I'm the grandma. For those of you who are still getting to know me, I am a young, sassy grandma of six. Yes, six. <laughs> uh, I have half a dozen. Yeah, that's pretty interesting, right? To be able to say that. How many more you have? I have half a dozen. This is really interesting to me because on the passing of my husband, I realized when I'm thinking about this manabam that my mo'opuna, the eldest, whom I raised alongside my husband all her life until he passed, was very peely to us. When I was feeling empty, she knew she would walk into the room and she would lie with me and she would stroke my face and she would tell me I was beautiful and how much she loved her mama. Mind you, she's like one and a half going to. I, in amazement, I reflect today because she was recharging my batteries that had so long been depleted. Wanting to make sure that I'm malama her in a way. Well, now, today, because <laughs> I'm reflecting on it now. I realized that was a lot of taking, even though she was giving it freely. As a grandma, I was taking a lot because I needed it at that time. When I look now, I look at the things that we taught her, the little lessons, right? Growing up, her ABCs, her numbers, how to say her entire name, because it's long, how to eat, how to approach people, how to aloha people. Those are the little things that we were able to share with her while he was still around. Today, she's eight. I find that when she needs me, she calls me. She's spoiled. Yeah, I would say right up front, she's spoiled by me, but by her great grandparents. They bought her a cell phone that she can only use when she's not in Kula. So at home, so she's not disrupting all of the TV watching. (laughs) She calls me to remind me that she needs me. And I think this is the part or the time that I get to return the mahalo or, you know, just give freely and thank her for saving me. Because if it wasn't for her, I don't know where, what state of mind I would be in today. But what I do recognize is that Eden feeds me. Our emotional relationship is one of reciprocity, me and Eden. Ezri and I, we feed each other in different ways. She doesn't need me emotionally. She loves me just as much and I love her just as much. Emotionally, Ezri is a little bit more stable because she has other people to go to. And then same with Ella. Ella loves me and wants to be around all the time, but she goes with her great-grandparents who spoil her rotten. For her, that's, that it does it for her. And then all three cannot wait to be with their parents. Yeah, recognizing that a child cannot be their parents' therapist. I think for a little bit, Mama Opuna was mine. We, we didn't really talk much, but it was just the actions that, were, that, that occurred between she and I. I have to apologize to her for pulling so much in that one time. As I think about the apology, it's more of a moving forward, Kulani, how are you going to act? when it comes to her and her siblings. 
she was my crutch for a little while. Now I like to think that it's not so much a crutch, but it's a more intense relationship for she and I. I think that's my biggest realization from this monobomb. A child cannot be their parents' therapist or emotional crutch. At one point, my mo'o was my emotional crutch for me. But today, no ways. Let's not do that to her. <laughs> During that time that she happened to be there for you, sounds like it was specific towards the passing of Darren around that time. After that time had kind of passed, did you see a shift in her? Like, was she maybe, I mean, her normal self obviously had to deal with the passing of her papa too, right? Then she was there connected to you grieving the passing of her papa and your husband. Did you see a shift in her, like in her behaviors, in her actions? Was she kind of like, so that one's kind of hard because she's got her own grieving that she's trying to process on top of, and although she was one or one and a half around that era, didn't understand as much as you did. And it didn't affect her as much as it did you. But did you see kind of like behavior changes within her? Was she overprotective? Was she more guarding you? Was she like always had to feel like she had her had to have her eyes on you, making always making sure you was okay versus like a, a child who doesn't have those same types of kuleana at that age or that, that feeling of tigaru because at one or two because they worried about their adult parent or grandparent or somebody going through something. So did you see a change in their behavior and the way they acted or maturity even? Were you able to observe that? I don't think I don't think I was in the right frame of mind to observe that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking now if I looking at her brother, the two year old and her because she would have been around the same age. And he's just playing and worried about eating and you know running around. I I don't think I paid attention to see at a time any kind of behavioral changes. No. I'm not sure. Just curious. I just know that she paid a little bit more attention. She was sleeping with me every night after. Mm-hmm. I mean, that wasn't a change though, because she would she was sleeping with us already. I wasn't paying attention at that time about it didn't seem like I don't know, out of the ordinary. There were I don't recall anything being out of the ordinary with her. Except for the fact that she could see things. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. There's they're so monophotos, little ones, yeah especially before they can start talking, right? Because they're still, the veil is still open. They can see everything. (laughs) Once they start talking, less chances of seeing, I guess. But how about you? Like, you know, this monobomb is a guided, kind of have, take a look at your keiki, yeah? And the the interaction between the makua and the keiki or kupuna and keiki. All of your monobombs are residing in your lolo, but they come out, literally the morning that you decide to post them what kind of space were you in when you were thinking about this particular monobomb when this one came into fruition it was observing uh my two hanai boys i watched them deal with their emotions were so very different from me raising four girls at that age some of the things that they were saying and doing at a very, very young age, I probably would have seen my children doing at a very older age. So I recognized that they were at a different level. And I wanted to understand like what was that level. And it, it came to me that just through the observation and seeing what they're picking up and how they were acting was very much mimicking their parents, both parents. You know, and the funny part is you want to help them 
become stable, as stable can be, but they're only as stable as their parents. So if they're very unstable, it's likely because their both parents are unstable. In this particular situation, it was more emotional. And the irony in that was kind of watching it take shape and form in different ways. I don't know how to explain this, but it was hard for me as a single parent like it, and only had me adult in the house. I believe I was emotionally unavailable for my two older girls because I was trying to figure life out. My early 20s to my early 30s. I was trying to figure it out. Things were happening. I was getting a divorce. After 10 years of marriage, I'm raising children on my own, trying to figure out how we're going to survive, paying bills. So I was literally more focused on surviving, not even my emotions, not even I was emotionally unavailable to myself. I was just focused on having me and my kids survive, which meant I was emotionally unavailable to, unavailable to my children. And in the result of that is my older girls are also emotionally unavailable. It's kind of one of those awkward moments, like, can I hug you? Can I kiss you? Can I, I love you? You know, I, I love you, you know? And it's weird because I have four girls, two different, I have a different relationship with these two than I do have with these two. So I was emotionally unavailable. They weren't my therapist, but I wasn't theirs either. I was on a, a mission. And so I recognized that. So my two old younger ones, I think I had already processed a lot of all of that and I figured out who I was and where I was going. I, I recognized my patterns of what didn't work. I went the opposite because I was raised in an unemotional house. We were very much like, eh, eh, eh. so we just knew we was love, but it was like, eh, eh, eh. that's how I raised my kids. I figured I wasn't broken. I'm good. Right. So I'm going to repeat it. Yeah, that wasn't the case. You was broken, Mary. So are they. You know, so how do we fix it? Because I started to know who I was. I had more confidence in what I was doing, more confidence in driving motivation. I was able to apply balance in myself. This is where I started to really embrace my feminine qualities because I was very masculine. Uh, again, I just had to balance two, two parents at once. With my two, two younger daughters, I was able to apply it. And when I applied it, now I have engaged. Now I can do my kilo. One work, well, I knew what worked and I knew what didn't work. And then I had these two boys come into my space. All I wanted to do was help one parent. I tried helping the other parent. I was like that. <laughs> so I still had one parent in my purview. So I wanted to help that parent be more stable for these boys because all I wanted was him not to have to go through what I went through, meaning I didn't want him to not be able to have a close-knit relationship with the boys or because he was so dependent upon them for their happiness and then think that is over here, dependent upon them for her happiness. Like these two boys have to carry this burden at a very young age and they'll never know who the hell they are and they'll never know how to replenish what was taken from them. So I was trying to help in avoiding, not making th their lives better, not trying to fix anybody. I just wanted you to hear my story so you can avoid going through what I went through. That's it. Now your choice, your choice. It took years. And then he started to see all the things that I was talking about. And he started to now, as he awoke and he was like, oh shit. Yeah, I had to explain to him, time moves while you're still trying to figure your shit out. These kids are still growing while you're still trying to figure your shit out. By the time you figure your shit out, they're 18. It's too late. That's what happened to me between my 20s and my 30s. Don't do that. 
you know so I think that's where it came from and here's the irony in this neglect can come in any form neglect can come in the form of not being around them being busy it can come in the form of when they're emotionally distraught you do not address it they'll figure it out like that's a form of neglect but there's another form of neglect that we don't recognize the other form of neglect is spoiling but not giving them boundaries you know letting them do whatever the hell they want privilege and entitlement but not giving them lessons to figure it out on their own no more critical thinking that's a form of neglect because we we neglecting to teach both sides the skill sets to be better adults in the future there's those types of neglects and that's what was happening in the is interesting because it was a dynamic of everybody's so awesome so amazing love and light like oh my gosh you're the best you're the best at everything these kids come they walk around i'm the best at this and i'm great at this and then they're humbled real quick nobody taught them the skill to get up you get the ones who you know five and they're six and they're talking about sexual activities you know what's happening are you that lonely and deprived that you have people coming in in your out of your house and they don't understand what that means nobody's sitting there to explain it or how about when these kids come home this was one of the biggest catalysts kids are home they're crying during the day because they feel the need to have to contact the other parent that's not around the other parent constantly because they're missing them so much instead of just being present in now and being a child here and enjoying your time with this parent and this family you so damn worried emotionally about your other parent because you're scared you know to hear these kids say i scared she going to kill herself i scared she going to die why would they, why would a, a, a kindergartner and an elementary school student say things like that because they worry and here's the emotional imbalance and the instability is you can say that to the other person hey these things are coming up they're worried that you're going to die and they're only this old and they're not enjoying their day they can't even go outside and play all day long because all they're worried about is you're not picking up your phone for just say hi because they're worried you're going to kill yourself and you know what her answer was it's because they love me a lot they're fine they love me they love me so much so she don't see the unhealthy balance all she see is love light and positive toxism we're going to cover the shit we're not going to even address oh man is that maybe i'm showing too much maybe i'm no more that kind of thinking critical thinking it's just no it's they worry about my life because they love me that much you know and i look at that like so does that mean they don't worry about you that much and they don't love you just as much and he woke up and i'm like do you see the victim and now you see your victims. You see where there's humility and where there's not humility. You know, so that was the catalyst for that. It's just watching these kids and you know I tried to intervene at the beginning of the relationship to help where them to lack. But I recognized it took took away from my family, so I had to stop. And it was the hardest thing to do. It was the best thing I could do for me and my family. The two parents were very irresponsible to to themselves, to the boys, and then they were fucking around. So they was irresponsible with each other's emotions. And guess what? They had partners. I was one of them. They wasn't even responsible with this. So their irresponsibility and the funny thing is that grows and time moves. So it's the privilege, it's the neglect, it's the burden the children have to carry. And then we check our we got to check ourselves like what is our intentions and how are, where are we feeling? There's a balance. You can have fun and spoil your child, but are you giving them enough tool sets that they can be independent, honest, amazing? adults in the future i think i look at my child and i i pray <laughs> because i'm thankful because i know that the important things 
to keep the baby safe health-wise, you know, making sure they do what they need. Simple things, brush teeth, wash your face, ow, ow. <laughs> she couldn't do that. She lacked that because she was so emotionally unstable. She couldn't pay attention. I remember I asked you, like, did you see any? She couldn't pay attention to that because she was so much into her own shit. So baby would always have rashes, burning. Baby didn't even know how to, they, both parents in diapers till old, four years old, couldn't even eat, didn't have a routine to eat. Like it was, that's neglect, but filled mm-hmm. with love and light. <laughs> so it's amazing what we don't see when we don't want to see it. Yeah. When you're pulling the blinders, huh? yeah. tunnel vision. I think just with me, I'm, I'm a hollow my child for uh, <laughs> lasting <laughs> with a mother like that. She, I mean, I wasn't a walk in the park by no means. You know, I was raised by a dictatorial mother. And my mother was like, if I say you better be here at this time, you better be early. If I say, yeah, and that's her, you know, that is the mother. My father, though, was the loving, he was the loving guy who knew these are the rules. So you need to pay attention. So he gave it in a more loving way. The mother was like, oh, hell no. This is it. This is it. This is it. And I recognized it later on in life when I started to truly pay attention that I raised her like my mother raised me. And so it was like, I know talk to you. I mean, nah, I know talk to you unless you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing. So if you're doing everything fine, I never bother you because my, my, my mentality was, you know, like be bothered by your parent. So I'm not going to bother you. But I never realized that she needed the love side. And so lucky for me, you know, her dad could do that. So he would like, and he was funny. So he was one of those, like the grandparents. And I guess because he was raised by his grandma, he would put it and then he would love on her. Right. And explain why. Mine was just like, you never do what you're going to do. Bah! Just like that. Not said. Yeah. You never do. Boom. Putties. Go get it done. That's it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Because that's how I was raised. Right. And so now when you look at these millennials trying to raise their cakey and they're wondering why their cakey are like not listening. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's a funny thing, right? I don't know. As, as Kanaka, I don't know how many of you guys, you know, you always look and we always watch these shows and we're like, if my child laid on the ground and started screaming in the middle of the star, I would give them mittens. Like, one, our children are not going to be doing that. My kids, it's just like the eye don't you even show respect take humility if i said no accept it and usually there's always something greater coming but i want them to learn patience humility and respect that's my lesson that i'm trying to teach you that's it i'm not gonna tell you i get something better for you i like you learn that lesson so if you're gonna act up and get nuts with me you're not gonna you're not gonna get what i have over here you can throw your tantrum why because you probably see me throw tantrums and get my way you probably see me play the victim role plenty of times and still get my way. If it works for, for mom, it's going to work for me. My experience with one of the boys, the younger one, like he's thrown himself down in the grocery store. And I'm like, is this happening to me? Like, I have nothing to do with that. That is not of me. That is not of me. Because if it was of me, it would have not happened. They would have known better. No, this kid is throwing himself, yelling at the store. And it's embarrassing. Yeah, throwing a fit because he doesn't want to eat a sandwich in the middle of a small restaurant and like yelling and you get the, the auntie like, is he okay? Does he need, should we give him something else? And I'm like, no. And I'm like your mom. No, he can eat it. He's just trying his tantrum because he don't want to eat right now. 
you know, so we know those ins and outs and what they're trying to do to manipulate situations and be real, you know, deceitful. They pick that up. They got to pick them up from somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm straight up and honest. <laughs> just tell me. You know, like, I'm fine. Why? Oh, just because you're in one mood? No, not a good enough excuse. This is how you're going to learn how to self-manage. This is how you're going to learn how to have critical thinking. This is how you're going to learn how to reflect. Let's talk about what you're dealing with. And guess what? Your opu is full now. We're all happy. <laughs> That's balance. Your child is, you know, your child, you know, she's doing it with six children. And she has to distribute herself evenly, somehow. That's a lot. Yeah. She's very fortunate to have you folks there to help the Absolutely. Dad. They got dad. It's not like they, she by herself. No. The father is there. And her grandparents. Their grandparents, you know, and their great grandparents. It's a very fortunate situation that could sh- that could be shaped in such and have amazing adults. It's a little bit harder for single parents, but it's totally doable. Totally can. It's until you when you figure out that mechanism, you'll recognize like, oh, it works. And I I, I think I figured it out. I think you have, sis. <laughs> I think I figured it out. Or Kaikumahine later, I think you have. <laughs> you know, like, you gotta have, you gotta have some observations with some, you know, like, my whole family is one experiment of research and study. I would learn a couple of things. <laughs> I learned where you can fail, and I learned where you can con- can succeed. So, Amazing things. Yeah. Thankful to have these, these Kiki with us. So blessed to have them in our lives, for sure. I'm thankful that I know your younger two. I'm still wanting to learn and know about your older two, but they're already adulting away from home. But I'm super stoked uh, for the day I finally get to meet Koiula. I know that she's been uh, back and forth uh, between here and Colorado. And, you know, I just love Miliopuna and Kuaulama. They are very much beautiful examples of their mama. So I'm mahalo you for allowing me to be a, a part of their life. Oh my gosh. Uh, we are blessed to have everything is Antikulani. Who you talking to, Antikulani? What was <laughs> that for, Antikulani? <laughs> yeah, where are you staying, Antikulani? Why are you asking me silly questions? You already know the answer. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, it does take a village to raise a family. There is no question and no doubt. Whether you're parents who have a full family home with two parents in it, grandparents or whatever, or a family of one parent. It takes a village. And my village is amazing. That spreads beyond. I implore each and every one of us not to feel guilty for having emotions or feeling like you're taking from your child. I want you just to take the time to kind of sit back and ask yourself, can I be an example of managing my emotions healthily can I be that example for my children so that they can also em- uh, manage their emotions healthily when they be is healthily even a word? Healthy. Healthily. Healthily. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then you want to ask yourself, can I teach them how to manage their emotions healthily when they get older to create less damage outside of us and to create less damage within us? If we're not just happy when the when they walk into the room and it changes everything for us that should be enough that should be enough change ourselves our well-being and our health emotional health is important and let us be examples of 
strength, resilience, perseverance, and rising up for our kids so they can do the same thing when we're not around. Oh, that, especially when you hear, yeah, especially when you hear from other people and just how well your, your kinky are around them. And, you know, you got to give yourself the, hmm, is that my kinky? <laughs> Pat yourselves on the back. Celebrate. You know, those, are the, those are the beautiful times that you can be, yes, that's my kinky. Yeah. Love them up. Love yeah, love them up and make them the best. Look at their future. Look at their future. Invest because they will be the ones taking care of you in like 30, 40 years, Kako. Exactly. Get them all yeah. them. Exactly. <laughs> no, it's so true. Exactly. Whew. Well, that was a long uh, mana bomb. I hope it helps people out there and understanding where they're at, where they're going, and how they want to go about doing it. With that being said, signing off from the island of Molokai, it's me, Kanoilani Davis. And we're over here 20 minutes on Oahu Nancy. Kulani Jeremiah Wong. Kakahia Kakako. Aloha. For your daily mana bombs, be sure to follow on Instagram at Pomahina Designs, which is Kanoi Lani, and myself at Kulans.manabombs. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check in every Monday and Friday for a new mana bomb episode.